You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It's the all-star break, a well-deserved break from The Bannerman and from L.A. Kings fans from the L.A. Kings. A good time to recharge the batteries. Vardy, how are you tonight? Uh, feeling good. Feeling fine. Feeling like an all-star, baby. I just thought of Smash Mouth, which is never a good thing. Oh, man. Hey, now. You're an oh, all-star. damn it. It's such a bad song. Oh. But it does, it tends it is to an cling. Earworm. It, it clings, is what it oh. does. Much like the stench of loss to this team. Yes. If you guys uh, have been following us on Twitter, you may have noticed after that Colorado game that we changed our profile picture to an avatar of Vardy and myself with paper bags over our heads. We removed it recently because of a good game against St. Louis and it's the all-star break. We will reserve that avatar. That's right. For special, real special moments. <laughs> like a 7-1 to one drubbing from Colorado. God. Um, so the Kings are on the all-star break. The NHL's in the all-star break. But the Kings will also be going into their mandated week off. So there ain't going to be a lot of hockey, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely none for the rest of the month. Mm-hmm. It's nice. I could decompress. I don't know if I'm going to watch the all-star game. I'm probably not. I I'll- haven't watched it sincerely. Like... I'm I'm gonna say like three, maybe four years now. I just I can't bring myself to. There honestly. isn't much there. I mean, if they were going 100, percent it would be awesome, you know. Or if they had uh, legends mixed in, like I suggested a few months ago or right. a few episodes ago, I would I would be all over that. But no, yeah. No. Even even before when they had like the the fantasy draft format, I watched that. I found that kind of enjoyable but then they went away from that for whatever whatever reason they came up with and then uh yeah and the skills competition it used to be intriguing when they were the first couple of years when they did the breakaway relay stuff and and then it just became a a total prop show which is less enter- i mean i don't know i keep thinking to myself that like the one of the few things that i always try to make time to watch even though i I don't regularly watch basketball is the nba dunk contest right 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 and when the when the dunk contest goes i mean the entire internet is ablaze with videos and gifs and you know reviews of dunks or whatever i mean you can't get away from it because it's it's genuinely enticing stuff and they still find ways to keep it entertaining even though that has also become a prop show over the last few years but it still somehow intrigues me well that's what the I, nhl I can't explain it that's what the nhl i think was trying with the breakaway challenge um, where we saw like the first year we saw Ovechkin wear a Canada hat mm-hmm. and then that one year Patrick Kane wore the Superman cape and broke the puck into like 10 pieces like good tries you know but the the thing is you rarely get the payoff because a breakaway is not like a slam dunk I mean right. you, you can get creative but if the goalie stops it not even stops it if it even luckily hits the goalie it just loses all the luster of everything you tried, and that's the right. problem. A dunk is is an undefended play, you know, where right. you could be creative. But a breakaway, and the challenge is pulling it off in the first place. The challenge is actually like getting the ball through the through the hoop. Exactly, the finish <laughs> is what seals your deal. And like in in hockey, you can't even if you put like a I don't know a might goalie in there or a peewee, it could still hit Shooter, the kid. Tutor. It'll still hit the kid. And it'll be you know, it'll be even worse. So there's no I don't think there's any winning there. I don't know how much because the creativity of hockey 
comes in its passing and its movement and its you know yes there are some one-on-one moves but that's on a defender yes there are some breakaway moves but again the 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 brilliance of that is that it's heads up full speed with something on the line it just doesn't work this way i don't know it just doesn't work for me um they've tried some other things like some obstacle courses the fastest skater is still kind of interesting to me but again sure like their helmets are off you know they're not gonna go all the way full speed because you want that salad waving in the wind baby you don't want you don't want to yeah i mean like mcdavid's not gonna hit the corner and like hit you with 15 crossovers and try to go as fast as possible right it's not that important it just i don't know when i was a kid i loved the skills competition you know hardest shot hardest shot accuracy was like i think my Mm. favorite hardest shot still has some appeal to it yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I feel like the game itself used to have some appeal, and I don't know at what point it kind of lost it for me. I don't, I don't, I can't even like pinpoint what it was because it's never. They were never playing defense. So I know. It's not like I, kinda, they, I think I know exactly where. I think nowadays all the players are friends. Okay, mm. outside of the game, this has been a thing for a couple of years. Like. Kings players, Ducks players, they hang out. You mm-hmm. know, they're buddies. Social media, they they prop each other up. All this. Back in the day, like everyone hated each other. So the idea of like them teaming up for one night and seeing best on best was actually kind of cool to see mm-hmm. how these players would play with each other. Um, I feel like back then there was less uh, international competition as well. So you rarely got to see like best on best there was the canada cup in the gretzky days and all that right but now with like the world cup the olympics it's like you just see a lot of great versus great you know what i mean yeah and that and those games mean more clearly so where does that leave the all-star game in many ways yeah it's fair and actually i hadn't even thought about that point you were bringing up about the players being friends because i'm sure there were friends back then too but we just didn't really know about it and i think in this day and age of social media where it's, it's very widely available and you understand the types of relationships or friendships that a lot of these guys have, it's in some ways it's a lot like wrestling where back in the day you thought these guys actually hated each other and sometimes they did and you didn't really know what was going on in the background and now it's kind of gotten to the point where you're like, okay, clearly everyone's everyone an knows. actor and clearly everyone yeah. knows everyone and, you know, they all hang out together and so you have to kind of detach yourself a little bit from from the storyline and in a way this is like that too where it's like all right clearly these guys are all friends and they've all played together in multiple different formats and so it loses its luster from both the putting differences aside and playing together in one team aspect as well as the like you mentioned the best on best you're never going to see this anywhere else folks kind of thing you know like it, that ain't it anymore. You, you got four chances a year to see him, depending on what year you're in. And there's another thing to this as well is that the talent gap between, like we've always said, between bottom six players and like top six players right. has shrunk. Mm-hmm. So to see like the game itself doesn't look too different. Yes, there are high skilled players, but they're only going about sixty percent. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have the intensity and and the skill, the showcase of skill is there, but it's three on three back in the day the talent gap from on the penguins from like mario lemieux to i don't know phil bork was really really (laughs) large and when you get a game with like 
people who were closer to Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky, East versus West. It was like, we got to watch this game because mm-hmm. we don't see this kind of... Again, the talent gap is is tiny now, so you get great hockey almost nightly. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, they're pretty much an all-star team at yeah. this point. The Leafs, on some nights, the Capitals, like when their power play is going, like that... It's very hard to beat that, you know what I yeah. mean. No matter and three on three is great, but again, we have that in right. in, in hockey now, so it's just not must see TV. That's the bottom line. It's mm-hmm. like I'll catch the highlights. I'm sure there are some sweet plays, but I could digest it down in 30 minutes. I don't have to sit there for three Correct. hours and pretend Correct. like I'm entertained by this. You know, what would you do for an All Star game, Vardy? That's a good question. What, what? I, I do like your legends idea, but I, I do worry about the injury potential or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, I think the injury thing's gonna mix that. I, go I away. again, I I really enjoyed the fantasy draft potential of it all, just because I thought it gave the, an opportunity for the guys to kind of display their personalities. Um, I know they mic up players a lot. I'd like to just more of that. Yeah. I think if you're, I think the more mic'd up they are, the better. I think if you're going to go all in on on the entertainment aspect of this, and really that's what you're going to try to make it as kind of a festival for the fans and be make it entertaining, I think you go full bore on that. I think you you have every player mic'd up, and you have every team's website available to like listen to that player mic'd up for the whole game. If you want to listen to that player in particular mic'd up or something like that, you know what I mean? Oh God, I wish. Imagine the f bombs and the jokes. That's what I mean. I mean, just just. I want to. I want to see. Re- that was one of the things that I loved about the fantasy draft. Is like they were picking on each other. They were making like little chirps at each other even after they were getting up there. You know, I, I distinctly remember them making fun of Stomkos' sh- shoes during the fantasy draft because he was wearing these like gold heel Louis Vuitton shoes and stuff. Like I love. St- and, and who could forget Phil Kessel being the last man picked and Ovechkin giggling as he's taking you know camera shots of them and stuff like that is entertaining and you you shouldn't shy away from that i think i think you just kind of embrace the ridiculousness of it all and i don't know maybe maybe you get crazy maybe you uh maybe you make a rule where you got to switch up positions where you got to have a center playing goaltender. You have to have a goalie be out there playing center you got to have a defenseman coaching just do random stuff Make it fun. And that's why, like, last time we talked about the whole John Scott thing and the last man thing. Like, like it or not, John Scott being in the All-Star game put eyes on the All-Star game. Absolutely. Whether you agree with it or not, we're not here to debate that. And that's why when we talk about last man in for each division, it should be a complete write-in. Like, completely. Like, who cares who it is? Just throw them in there. Let's make it somewhat interesting. I mean... I don't know. I don't want to harp too much on it. It's a throwaway game. It's yeah. it's, it's good for the cities that host it for the most part, the franchises that host it. So good for San Jose and their, you know, their weird app Silicon logo Valley decision. really going hard on the Silicon Valley Man. marketing, which is fine, except for that logo. <laughs> can we can we talk briefly about the jerseys i don't think i've ever we will but i don't think i've ever seen you more upset about a logo i hate that logo so much (laughs) i i i mean you and i we very much appreciate the design aspects and and things like that that go into to making sports teams jerseys and logos and things like that and i could not have been more upset with a with a logo than 
the stupid, stupid all-star logo from this year, which in case you don't know, everyone was designed. I'm not even kidding about this. You can literally find the design blueprint for this. If you search it from the NHL, it was designed to look like the app icon of an application on your phone. So if you're wondering what that rounded off square look is for it, it's because they're trying to make it look like an icon on your phone. Because in case you missed it, it's in San Jose, which is close to where Apple is. You see where they're going with this? You're picking up what they're putting down? Yeah. Technology people. And if you didn't figure that out, the year 2019 is in red, like a notification. Exactly. On your app. So exactly. Really, so you have really an application for the NHL All-Star Game and you have 2019 of them. You have 2019 text messages waiting for you. Enjoy. Anyway, so we'll be following it from a distance, I guess. I'll be mm-hmm. checking my or the Bannerman timeline on Twitter, see what comes up. I'm sure there will be some cool highlights. Um, let's talk some Kings. Some. Minor trade today, Vardy. Cool. Dominic Kubelik. Cool. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly. I, I, don't I think, literally texted you and I said, I don't know who this person is. <laughs> I think the Kings organization doesn't know how to pronounce that name. Um <laughs> Traded to Chicago for a fifth round pick. Not, I don't know what to say about it. This guy, the Kings, trying to get him over to North America for a couple of years now. He's 23 years old. I think he was projected to be a decent prospect. I think he has decent numbers, but leading the Swiss league in scoring, apparently, for whatever that's worth. Sure. Um, It became, I guess, evident that it wasn't going to happen with the Kings, so. Kings, I guess, got something out of it, which is a fifth rounder. The the end. I don't know <laughs> yeah, what else to say I, about that. I mean, my only fear, and I mentioned this to you, is that he went to Chicago, which makes me afraid somehow that they know something that we don't. And it's not a rational fear in any way. I have no evidence whatsoever objectively to back that up. I'm just – I look at a trade like this and it's so random and so kind of – off the board and unnecessary it makes me suspicious yeah well but he's a seventh round pick sleeper turned it into a fifth i guess upgrade yeah kings need to stockpile on picks talk now vardy that that big fire sale we were kind of promised (laughs) from the kings is actually maybe not happening as yeah at least to that scale yeah Yeah. at least not on that scale uh you guys follow the mayor john hoven and and all the other people who cover the kings a lot of talk that now the likes of tyler toffoli uh maybe even jake muzzin maybe even jonathan quick uh will be at the very least writing it out this season with the kings i'm sure there will be some movement still vardy i'm sure carter will be dangled i still Mm -hmm. think either muzzin or martinez probably Mm -hmm. end up moving but yeah, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? Are you disappointed because the garage sale ain't happening? I mean, yes and no. I guess uh, there's always the fear that you're selling low on these guys, right? Like one of the reasons why you're talking about trading these guys in this particular situation isn't because you're typical. Um, they're in a contract year, and so they're easy. They're easy to kind of pawn off situation. You know what I mean? Um, 
it's not like you have a high scoring winger and you just know that he's not going to come back next year. And so you're trying to move him to maximize value for the Kings. It's quite the opposite where they're just a bad team at the moment. And they're kind of being forced in this position now to accelerate a rebuild that I don't think that they were anticipating necessarily. And so now they have to seriously consider whether they're going to move these guys that actually have term on their contract and they have term because the Kings had seen some sort of a future with them. Uh, Toffoli is one example. And actually the mayor kind of brought up that more recently they've, the Kings have backed off maybe on, on trying to sell him so hard, probably because, you know, they, they made it known that he was potentially available and they listened to the offers that they were getting and they were just not very pleased by them, quite frankly. And, they sold low on Pearson. I think you and I both agree on that, and you know, no one can tell us otherwise. I don't care how much you love Carl Haglin and the ten games he's played for the Kings. They sold low on Pearson, and I think in some ways they're fearful now of selling low on every on every asset that they might have, especially if you have a guy who's twenty six, like Tyler Toffoli, is a thirty goal scorer, and you know, you you can't quite figure out why he's he hasn't been able to hit that plateau consistently and you've had a lot of turmoil in terms of your coaching changes in terms of a couple things here and there. I'm not saying that they think he's going to bounce back necessarily to that level. I just think that they're fearful that they're going to move him to another team, to a contending team, and he's going to be a 30 goal scorer for them. And they're going to sell him for pennies on the dollar and they don't want to necessarily do that, especially if he has another year on his contract. And from that standpoint, I understand I completely understand that. I think it's a, I think it's absolutely that for sure. I think it's uh, I, there's no way they can't get more for him at right. let's say the deadline next season, right? Because I believe he will be unrestricted. Correct. Then, right now, that's the bottom yeah. line. No one wants this guy right now. Um, no one wants to give up a lot for this guy right now. I should right. say. When he has another year, although that might be attractive some, to some teams that he has another year, but but you got to think that they're trying to they're, they're trying to fleece the Kings, right? Like no one's beating down their door saying we'll give you a first and a and a and a prospect for Tyler Toffoli, which if he's coming off a thirty goal scoring year, that's exactly what you would give for a twenty six, twenty seven year old winger. Right, right. No, I agree with you totally. So you can't just load up in one draft. That's another thing. Let's say the Kings were hell-bent on selling everyone you know they're not they wouldn't just go after everyone for the 2019 draft i don't think that's a good strategy if you have a plan in place which every good organization should the draft picks they accumulate should be for the next two to three years Mm -hmm. in many ways so it looks like they're in good shape this year with their own pick it'll be a good pick i'm sure they're hunting for another first and i think Hoven might have said as much as that they're hunting for another first this right. year, which I think you should be able to snag should you agree to trade a Jake Muzzin or, I don't know, a Carter quick if that's what it's going to take. And then you got to look – so you got to start looking to the 2020 draft, which by some indications is just as deep as the 2019, if not deeper. So it, it, I get it. I'm not in there. You know, I don't. 
have my finger on the pulse of what, what's going on around the league, what the market's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Chiarelli's fired, so we can't really hose anyone <laughs> one for one. <laughs> so that's really, I'm fine with it. I don't care. Like, was I, I don't want to say I was excited for a lot of moves, but I did, I was excited to see what the brain trust is thinking because the right. moves they make at the deadline, at the draft, are going to set the tone with for where they're going in the next two to three years. So that's kind of what I was excited about to see what they're going to do, where their head's at. But I have no issue waiting. Again, it's it's a hurry up and wait situation. Like, what are we? What's really going to happen here? You know, right. this isn't going to get fixed in one summer. Right, and certainly not going to get fixed by you getting a mid to late round first round pick. Right for an asset that was deemed valuable a few months ago. Yeah. I think I think still realistically, there's still very much the potential for two to three roster players to get moved. I just I've I'm less ambitious now as to who exactly that's going to be, at least prior to this deadline. And I'm less ambitious about what the Kings should be getting in return, because I think it's more than likely going to be guys like Martinez. They get moved. I think. Maybe not Lewis because he really hasn't been healthy and and he's traditionally been a very like solid pro for the Kings and they and they like having a couple guys like that in there. I think guys like Nate Thompson, Haglin, you're gonna you know these these are scraps. Like that's not that's not really what you're looking for. If you're looking for first round picks, really Jonathan Quick and Jake Muzzin are probably your only reasonable assets at this point that'll get you that. But you got to think long and hard. Before you make those moves, of course, there's a reason they would return first round. Exactly, pick. <laughs> you exactly, know what I mean? exactly. And, and that's what I'm saying is that they're not really in a position now. Like, let's say Muzzin was at the tail end of his contract, making what he is right now, four and a half million, and you know that you're going to have to resign him next year, and you're sure as hell not going to be able to do it for four and a half million. You're up against the cap. He's expressed interest in going elsewhere. It's a totally different situation. Totally different situation at that point. You're thinking, all right, fine. We're going to maximize this guy's value. We're going to get what we can. But Muzzin's under contract. He's got he's he's on a sweetheart deal for you for another couple seasons, and he's arguably been your best defenseman in the entire year. So, really, what's the motivation here to move him, unless you're getting an offer that that you sincerely can't refuse? And maybe that'll happen. But I don't I since I don't see that happening for quick. I just I've never seen the goalie market be. That, you know. Well, yeah. Another thing is like, if it were to be at the deadline, you're looking at you're thinking a team is going to offer a first for a goalie at the deadline. If a team is ready to make a playoff push and a deep run in the playoffs, they have a goalie. Exactly. There is exactly. there is no team that is like in good shape, and they're like, man, who's who's in goal for us? Right. You know what I mean? They most likely have a legit starter locked in. Right. Which, ironically, the Kings didn't have a couple seasons ago when they were concerned about Quick's health, and that's how we ended up with Ben Bishop. <laughs> right. Well, that was uh, – that's a little different. But, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's e- let's even look at the wild card teams. I'm going to open this up right now. And sure. Let's just really think about sure. who exactly would – Your Dallas's, your Colorado's. You know, an interesting one, and it will likely never happen, but San Jose – their goaltending has been really bad. I don't know if you've been following what Martin Jones has been doing the last 10 or 15 games. 
did did we fleece him years years ago? We knew what we were doing. <laughs> no, no, point? he's just having a rough stretch. We believe yeah, in Martin Jones here, but I mean, the Sharks are all in, man, because Eric Carlson's a UFA. Right. So I'm not saying it would happen, but it, you could say that's kind. They're kind of a candidate a little bit, but in the playoffs, by the way. Martin Jones is still money, and he's still, yeah. I believe, statistically the best playoff goalie of the last three years. And you could look that up. I think that's correct, by the way. So in the playoffs, he's fine. So I'm going to say maybe, but also probably not. Right. Um, Calgary seems very comfortable. Calgary's got their with, guy, man. With Riddich. I mean, <laughs> he is what, 19 and 4 on the season? It's hard to argue with that number, man. Yeah. Um, Golden Knights are obviously locked in. Jets, um, I think they're okay. I think yeah. the thing with the Jets is Hellebuck's good enough, and then Brassois, their backup, is actually really solid. Right. Hellebuck's well having them. a down year. He's having a down considered. year technically. I mean, they're 31 and 15. Right. But, yeah. It's I not mean, affecting their bottom line, but correct. I'm sure they would do well, – they would – They'd be fine with him being a little bit better. Right. So, Brassois fine. Nashville's locked in. They have two good goalies. Minnesota's going to ride Dubnik. Um Colorado, uh, they. I think you know they're fine with their combo right now between Varlamov and, and Grubauer. I mean, they went out and they got Grubauer. I think with the intention of him potentially being the guy going forward. I think they're comfortable with right. that. Their, their problems are more, you know, blue line related than than goal line related. Right. And so I think they know that. You would say that pretty much takes care of the Western right. Conference candidates. I mean, the Stars are sniffing around the playoffs they might they might make it as a wild card but i mean they're locked into ben bishop i think they're gonna right. play him you go east tampa's <laughs> fine toronto is not gonna you know freddie anderson's having a damn near vesna can you know yeah anderson kind of even if he weren't they're not gonna just make him a backup right montreal's obviously good boston is having a little bit of a goaltending conundrum yeah but i don't think jonathan quick solves that conundrum for you if you're going because if you get jonathan quick you're you're bringing a guy in who's not just going to be a starter this year you're bringing a guy in who's going to be a multi-year starter and then you, you have know? to also factor in salary cap that's what i mean right that's when, when I mean. you have tuka rask on the books exactly you know what i mean it's yeah it's pretty much yeah a no-go islanders first in the metro man they are rocking and rolling what a good looking team it's fun to see ain't it robin laner has been lights out for this mm-hmm. team. Uh, Matthew Barzell, Barzilla, out of his mind playing well. Isn't it funny that we had them, I believe we had them near the bottom of the standings in the Metro. I think we were. our debate was who finishes last, the Rangers right. or the Islanders. Right. And it's, it's great to see a team lose a superstar. And, man, in their last, I think, 20 games, they have been a house on fire almost unbeatable playing well getting scoring all over the place i think i think that speaks to the value of of good coaching and absolutely. good organizational leadership absolutely i was going to say man. Barry Trotz is absolutely a reason one of the reasons why this is going on right now in the island um yeah capitals they're good blue jackets is the question it is the question but i don't think you answer that question at the deadline i think i think if if they are sincerely looking i shouldn't say they because i i know that they're committed to bobrovsky the question is is bobrovsky committed to them now if that's if that's something that's up in the air 
then Which I think it is that, very much right. But I think I think you wait until the off season to answer that for them. I, I agree. Here's the thing: the more like you you just don't trade for a goalie like this at the deadline. You don't with you don't. that kind of term and that kind of cap it. That is a summer move to right. like reposition Absolutely. your organization. So I don't right. even know if it's worth going through any more of these teams. That's the bottom line. This is not a deadline move for Jonathan Quick. If they Correct. move him, they'll it's have to be wait. It's going to be the draft yeah. or sometime in the summer. Right, right. I think. Right. Um, but yeah, since we have the NHL standings open, Vardy, we can go around the league and tell some stories about what we've liked. I got to start off with this Edmonton situation because take it away, big guy. It's been you've been you've been itching. <laughs> Here's the thing: like we poke fun at the Oilers a lot. I think even all the Kings men pokes fun at the Oilers a lot. Jesse Everyone Cohen. pokes fun it's at the like, Oilers, man. You know, and I think the Royal the half has the time. hashtag "Here come the Oilers" <laughs> every time something terrible happens, which is funny. Um, <laughs> I feel bad for Connor McDavid. I just want to take say that right off the top. He looks miserable. <laughs> Their last game, I watched it. Don't ask me why. It was on NBCSN. NBCSN. <laughs> NBC had that game between the Red Wings and the Oilers. Because I'm sure when they booked it, they at least thought the Oilers would be in good shape. You're spotlighting the top player in the league. It was... A terrible hockey game. And the Oilers were so bad. They couldn't make a pass. You think anyone listening to this, if you think the Kings are slow, watch the Oilers. Do you want to talk about a slow team with the fastest player in the world on it? Man, they look horrible. And after that loss, um, the Oilers fired, finally put him out of his misery. Peter Shirelli, after he made 10 straight questionable trades i don't think that's an exaggeration <laughs> if you look at his trade history you look at him and you're like what are you doing yeah what are you doing jordan eberly for ryan strome taylor hall for adam larson these are just a couple of these are the big ones but if you look at his smaller trades they are a disaster and then ryan strome for ryan spooner and then ryan spooner ended up on waiver <laughs> There you go. So your trade was Jordan Everly, Jordan for, Everly nothing. for nothing. And it's not like Jordan Everly's tearing up the league or anything, but he's a complimentary player that fits the way the game is played right now. So you get rid of Jordan Everly, and now you have guys like Lucic, Cassian. These guys just aren't moving. They're just not skating. Milan Lucic, God bless his heart, will always be, you know, always have a special place for us because we liked him when he was here but this ain't the team <laughs> this ain't the team for you milan yeah and then obviously you know they went out and kind of a last ditch effort hired hitchcock much fanfare about that the edmonton boy coming home and kind of turn the team around and they had a nice little start the first four or five games and uh the last 17 games played, I'm looking at a graphic right now from TSN. The record has been 5-12. and 12. Goals per game, 2.71. Goals against, 3.88. Yeah. On, I, a, on a Ken Hitchcock team, which is usually a, a consummate defensive uh, team, not so much. I believe they are um, 10 games under 500 under Ken Hitchcock with that start you just mentioned. Yeah. 
which is nuts. You got like Kyle Brodziak, Cassian, Lucic, Tyratty, Tobias Reader. It's just a mishmash of just randomness on this team. And I don't know who Colby Cave is, but he's on that roster. Yeah, man. And, And it's crazy to think that Taylor Hall and Jordan Everly got traded for borderline nothing. It is it's nutty to me. It sucks. I, their defense is disastrous. Kevin Gravel's played a ton of games for them. That's never a good sign. <laughs> oh my god. It's, anyway, yeah. So I mean, months ago, months ago, we tweeted that if you think things are bad, just thank your lucky stars that you're not an Oilers fan. And we're we're, we're like prophets. <laughs> it uh, yeah. just keeps. <laughs> I mean, that's not to say the Kings are in great shape. There's going to be a lot of questionable things and uncertain things that happen over the next few months. But I'm infinitely more confident in how things are going to play out for them than I am for the Oilers. Look, Miko Koskin and their goaltender um, started the season out on fire uh, for him anyway because he started on the 27th. They were riding Talbot. Starts off with three straight wins, and he's right. He was playing well, and all of a sudden, he comes down to earth. Well, that's because he's like a 35-year-old European goaltender that they picked up out of nowhere. Yes, he's 30, <laughs> um, and he wears number 19. Never a good sign. Right. I would never take a goaltender who wears number 19 seriously. Okay, that's a problem right off the bat. And, and then in in like his swan song – Shirelli signs this guy to a multi-year, multi-million dollar deal. <laughs> did you see that? Yeah, I did. Uh, right. And I heard I heard multiple stories out there about how no, this was something that the organization <laughs> had been okay with. And then I and then I got like I read other tweets from like legitimate reporters saying actually this was negotiated with Shirelli and Koskinen and no one else. Uh, it's just Travis Yost, who I'm not the biggest fan of, but he's a writer for TSN. He had an article out with a with the headline was uh, "Costin and Contract: The Latest Perplexing Decision in Edmonton." It's like, why now? Why why are you even doing this now? What exactly are you afraid you're going to lose this guy in in March? I'm not. I'm not. Why do you need to do this now? Three years, thirteen point five million. For a team that is desperate to shed money. Um, funny too, Bob Nicholson, who is their pre- – who is he? I don't know. He's part of ownership, I guess. I'm not entirely sure what, what Bob Nicholson does for the Oilers. <laughs> but he was in the presser when, after they he fired. He gives press conferences for them. Sure. he's. I guess he's, a, he's some executive, whatever. Um, he comes out and he says uh, – the main thing I took away is he said – you know, the old boys club of the Oilers, the Gretzky's, the McTavish low, whoever else is in there. I think Paul Coffey is now in there waiting for Kelly Bookberger to get promoted <laughs> to something mm-hmm. special soon that they had nothing to do with any decision. The Oilers made in terms of the team, in terms of player personnel, basically detaching the Oilers from their old boys club. And the first thing they do is do is name the interim Keith Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky's <laughs> brother. Look, it's not a big deal because you got he's he's interim. You know we know what interim means in Los Angeles mm-hmm. if you've been following this season. That's right. It doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. 
But again, how does this send a positive message to your fan base? They've just been, ever since that Hall for Larson trade, they've just been trying to pick up the pieces. And that's the bottom line. They had a playoff appearance. They went deep. It was cool. Cam Talbot was playing out of his mind. Right. Which reminds me, Bob Nicholson, in his presser, essentially said, I don't know if you heard this, he essentially said, like, the Koskinen deal was us picking Koskinen over Talbot for the right. future. I mean, that's implied anyway, because Talbot's a UFA at the end of the year. That that defense is just atrocious, man. <laughs> Brandon Manning. <laughs> I mean, that was yeah, another the fun. Guy that, the guy that broke McDavid's collarbone. <laughs> Bring him in. <laughs> and, not, and not even in an accidental way. I mean, every comment afterwards for games after games that they actually played against Philly was about how he was a trash player <laughs> and how it was a malicious move. And, you know, now Connor McDavid's going to have to invite him over for Thanksgiving dinner. I'm sure that's not going to be awkward at all. God. Do uh, you, I mean, Chris Russell has a no movement clause. Adam Larson has a no trade clause. I mean, why wouldn't good they? Lord. I'm sure Lucic has an NMC too. Oh, definitely. Currently, the Oilers are not in good shape. No. Only no. Only five points ahead of the Los Angeles Kings, who are last in the West. So I was I was actually going to point something out just to kind of shift the focus back. I, unless I mean I I could spend hours you know pissing on the grave of the Oilers if you want to do that. I'm I'm nope, totally down. No, we are down. a Kings podcast. <clears throat> right. So I was just kind of, for whatever it's worth, was looking at the standings. Not that I'm going to magic some way into the Kings. You know, if they go 19 and 1, n- mm-hmm. none of that. Like, um, I was just curiously looking at it because after every game, it'll be like they'll bounce from 31st to 28th and then back down and, and whatever. And I was just kind of looking at the number of wins they have. The Kings have 20 wins on the season. Yes. Okay. If you look at the number of teams that they have more wins than, you've got Florida, Detroit, Philly, New Jersey, Ottawa, and Chicago, all yeah. of whom have have less wins than the Kings. Yes. Okay? Yes. Now look at look at the wild card standings for the for the West. I Dallas agree. has twenty four wins, Colorado only has twenty two wins. Okay? But yet the point differential between them and the Kings is Eight. Eight. So you're talking one or two wins here or there, but the biggest problem for the Kings has actually been their inability to keep it close in games, to go to overtime and pick up those those Lo- mercy points. Loser points, right. Right. And that kind of goes back to that, that blowout loss against Colorado. There's been so many losses like that this season that it, they've just – they haven't even been in the building where they'll be down 3-0 at the end of the first. Yeah. And – that there's no chance in salvaging a point. And the Kings, traditionally speaking, have been a really good overtime and shootout team, but at least an overtime team, I should say. But they haven't even made it to overtime significant enough times to benefit from potentially even losing in that situation. And that's not to say they're not a bad team. I mean, they're they're definitely a bad team, but I, I'm just saying that they they look worse right now. Their record looks worse, I think, than what their actual talent is on the ice. Because if you take that microcosm of games, those seven, eight games where they've been completely blown out and look like utter garbage, those games actually, they're not just one loss. They're they're biting them in the ass in the standings overall because they can't even keep a game close enough to 
to get the mercy points and actually stay within some sort of a hunt of relevancy. So just a little observation. No, Nothing that's significant. A, that is a good observation because I'm sure if you rack up the number of two goal game losses, I mm-hmm. would not be surprised two or more goals if the Kings are the worst or have yeah. the highest total. Yeah, in there's the got to be like what? Three, four of them, maybe that they've lost in under two goals. But if you look at the ones that they've lost, like three plus goals, I'm sure it's way higher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two plus for sure. I, I don't. I can't think of any team that has lost in such dramatic fashion. Right. <laughs> as the Kings, and that's have. why their goal differential is so terrible. That's. That, I mean, yeah, they don't yeah. score. That's that's besides the point. But they're minus thirty six. In their goal differential, yes, it's atrocious. Dead last in the NHL. Right. Um, so yeah, that no, that's a good point. I mean, but it is it's because of those games that we're so certain that they're terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's because of losses like that. Had right, they because those are the ones that stick out. Exactly. Those are the ones that you remember. The whole, the whole thing about the season is how you lose. If had they been losing like good effort games, one goal games, maybe two goal games with an empty netter like almost on a semi-nightly basis, you'd be like, you know what? There's something here, just something's off. But there's the problems are clearly deeper than a few things here and there, in my opinion. And that's, yeah. why, that's why all this talk about semi, you know, retooling or whatever, short rebuilding, whatever has, has even come up. So, um, yeah. No, that's a good point. Kings are currently... Let's see, 44 points. So they're not in last place. No. But, but they are hovering. That could change from one, one day to the next, you know? Yeah. It's not I, – I think the, the race for last is not going to be over until well after the trade yeah, deadline. Yeah, and you know what? They have been playing better, I would say. I would say on the whole they have. Yeah. But again, they still have those blips, those those games that just come out of nowhere where it looks like – no one has any idea what's going on. Again, the Colorado one very much stands out as one of those games. The Tampa one from a, you know like a month back now, yeah, or however long or it's like been. I mean, four one to Ottawa. That was. Uh, I mean, come on. You, you know, know, like those are the, those ugly. are the games that kill your any momentum that you're building, any positive energy. That's. I'm not even talking about like actual momentum, like standings momentum, making a push for. No, I'm talking about like actual positive momentum within the locker room, within the team, within the organization. You know, you win a couple close games, you beat Pittsburgh really nicely, you go to overtime against Minnesota, something like that. You you carve a hard fought win out against Dallas and suddenly everyone's feeling really good about themselves and then you go in and you lay a giant egg in Colorado right and it all just goes away man we've all been we've all been on the side of that even as fans and for people who've played like there's nothing worse than just getting pummeled for three straight periods well, there's then, nothing worse than that technically most of the damage was in the second period and that's even worse <laughs> because you, all you're doing is you're sitting there thinking to yourself there's still another period of this and they can keep and and that's not to mention the fact that colorado already scored seven goals on us the last time they played us yeah so it's just like it, it wears on your on your psyche yeah i think yeah no and then they come out and they play a really good game against st louis they were the better right. team for three periods right i thought 
Bennington in net for St. Louis. He had not suffered a regulation loss until this game. So they were facing a hot goalie there, and the Blues have been playing well too. So that's that's not an easy win. That you know, St. Louis has been really good in the right. last fifteen or so. Bennington's been on fire. He's essentially their starter now. And for the Kings to give him the first regulation loss, and again they controlled the game from beginning to end. I thought they should have won like seven to three they hit some posts they had tremendous looks that they couldn't finish but right there you go uh it's it's little things where, man. it's little things i guess and that's if, why if I think, you're looking for a positive it's now a jekyll and hyde versus right it was just all crap <laughs> before that right. so and again i give no credit to to willie desjardin for any of that that's just the guys in the locker room who you know, for whatever reason, have not been able to do it on a consistent basis, one way or another. And yeah, I don't know. You know, it's look. There's they're only eight points out. <laughs> I don't, look, I, no, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> I don't believe. Look, I don't think. I'm not saying like they're gonna make the play, but Colorado is not playing well right now at all. They are against us. They are against us, but right after they beat us, I think they got pummeled. Yeah. And that, like, they're having the same issues we're having where we can't string together a couple of good ones to carry out, to, to have any kind of momentum. Um, Anaheim completely spiraled out of control. Man, I am, I don't want to say, you know, we told you so, but they were, we talked no. about how they were being held afloat by John Gibson and Ryan Miller playing out of this world hockey and the shot differential was totally against them. They were, you know, eking by these one goal games and, you know, I didn't think they were going to be good from the preseason. Right. I, I, I thought I looked at them. I was like, there's just, I still just see John Gibson here. You know what I mean? Like yep. with Perry out, Kessler barely skating now. Like I was looking around Silverberg's like a hot and cold player who does like who do you have and they lost you got Tor- ricky raquel which mm. was a great player but i don't know and they 12 straight losses is uh pretty astounding in this day and age of parody to lose 12 straight and they again they're you know they're only one point out of the wild card right. but don't forget that at some point they were first in the pacific yep. if i'm not mistaken so things can change quickly, I guess, is what we're trying to say. One streak here, one streak there. Um, and, and, yeah, things can things can get yeah. ugly. Look at Calgary, man. Like, Calgary, um, they're first in the Pacific, but I, they did not start too hot, if I remember correctly. No, and that was because Mike Smith was... Mike Smithing it up. Exactly. Mike <laughs> Smith played like Mike Smith to the point where Riddich had to, you know, come in out of desperation. And it turns out that if you have... Any above-average goaltender on a team like Calgary, you can actually do very well for yourself. Yeah, and that's 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 what's happening right now, especially in division like the Pacific, where really, again, there's three good teams, and you're going to slug it out, and then everyone else is just going to really just do their desperate best to to try and get a wild card spot, basically. Yeah. Basically, and with the central, the central's not any different. By the way, the central has three good teams. Yep. 
I would I would argue the Central has two good teams. <laughs> Winnipeg and Nashville. Well, and we it, all know how you feel about Minnesota. They're so. not a good team. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> they're not a good team, man. Like uh, they they have 55 points, okay, which is good enough to be third in the Central, but they right. are having a ton like they've had a ton of problems all season. Um Dumbo's out for the rest of the year now. Mm-hmm. Uh they just traded Nino Niederreiter. I'm not look good for them. Let them make the playoffs. I'll be wrong. I have no problem with it, but I still believe that. Look at the point drop off. Nashville and Winnipeg are at 64, and then Minnesota's third at 55. So it's not. They have two good teams in the Central, three good teams in the Pacific. The West is crap this year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what. That's the way I feel about it. And I don't know. I'm just saying, like. That's why Edmonton, Bob Nicholson goes up and says, we're still trying to make the playoffs. Right. Because you look at this. It's possible. They have 49 points, so they're like three points out today of the wild card spot. So it's just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. And for, for the Kings to be at the bottom of the barrel and only be eight points out of the playoffs tells you everything you need to know about the West, quite frankly. Yep. It's uh, you know, it was an interesting little thing about the Ducks is uh, Pontus Alberg, who they picked up off of waivers and ended up being like a little fan favorite amongst everyone. And and granted, you know, he's on his like third or fourth team, but they end up trading him to Minnesota. It's just weird things, man. Just weird yeah, things. And yeah. again, it's just just a lot of desperation moves and you can't feel like Randy Carlisle is going to be around much longer. And it sounds like they're going to ride this out until the well, off season. Dude, you lose 12 straight and you don't fire the guy. Right. You're, you're going to keep him. I mean, there's how much worse can it get? I was shocked at the Cogliano trade that I agree. I agree. That, really is a, that is a tough trade for that team to make. Like to me, it's the equivalent of, I don't know, trading Lewis or right. Someone like that. When, you know, a month ago you were in a playoff spot. It's weird, right? The Kings yeah. have been awful all year. So ha- if they did trade Lewis, I would be like, okay, you know, the writing's on the wall for where this whole thing is headed. But Cogliano for them has been a constant. Mm-hmm. He's been a good player his whole career. So I was really surprised by that. Um, But, yeah, it's – I don't know what the hell they're doing. This, really it's don't. just desperation moves, man. It's desperation moves. It's little things that you're you're hoping spark, I guess. But the question is, like, do you trade a guy like that before you fire the coach? Normally, the firing the coach right. is, the, is the first thing you do. Right. What kind of message is that sent to the rest of your roster? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the maybe they all feel the coach isn't the problem. I don't know, but I don't know. Interesting times. Um, yeah. Funny thing I wanted to mention since we brought sure. up we're talking about the rest of the league. Patrick Liney in a very severe slump right now. Mm-hmm. Talks of his time in Winnipeg. There's no way. This is just Canadian media. Here's the thing though. Canadian mediaing it up. Let me I will say this and I've had the pleasure or the fortune of have, of watching a lot of hockey this season especially lately. I've been watching a lot of games. I've watched a few Winnipeg games, I think a handful in the last little while here. And Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, man, he looks out of place on that team. Interesting. And I'll tell you why. Because they play 
so fast. They play so hard. Like their stars are grinders. Mm-hmm. Wheeler, Shifley. Mm-hmm. These guys go in and bang. Okay. He is very much not that player. He's he is he needs the puck where he likes it and he, mm-hmm. need, he just needs to fire. That's what he needs to do. Um he he does not play with urgency. You know what I mean? He's not mm-hmm. one of these guys that sounds gonna, a lot like Brett Hull. Yeah, and the, he's the first guy I, I ever thought of when I saw Patrick Line is Brett Hull. So I don't know if he's long for Winnipeg forever. I mean, his contract is coming up. And there's a handful of players now in the league that are going to set the bar for the next mm-hmm. contracts of the NHL. Like this next wave of superstar talent that's coming up. The Crosby Ovechkin's fading away, folks. Here comes Marner, Matthews, Line, a, Eichel, McDavid. All these guys are coming in. And they're going to kind of set the pace for what everyone, every team's good, great player is going to make. Mm-hmm. So they have a big decision to make with him. I think again. I mean, I'm he's not, at least ten mil. There's no question. That's the thing. Is like if he doesn't fit in your system, and this is just a personal observation. He just looks. He sticks out like a sore thumb, man. I'm telling you, these guys are wheeling. They're flying, and then here he comes, and he's just kind of lumbering along. I'm not saying he's a bad player. That's just the type of player he is. Like he's gonna float, and you're gonna give him the puck on the power play, and he's gonna zip it in. Mm-hmm. So. Be interesting to see if there's like a one for one superstar for superstar type deal somewhere. I don't even know. <laughs> see, like I can't even. people say, oh, Ovech, he's like Ovechkin. He's not like Ovechkin, not. man, at all. He's not. I'm telling you right now, he is not like that. He is. He just knows how good he is at shooting. He's like, I'm, just, I'm a shooter. Yeah. Um, he's not going to be the guy who's going to go in on the four check. He needs guys on his lines who are going to dig it out and feed him in the slot. And I, and I don't know if the buy-in from everyone in Winnipeg is like heart and soul. Everyone needs to grind, but I'm not like looking at him. You're like, yeah, this guy could slump with this team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Anyway, I just want to. Ponder, yeah, I think they sign him. There's, I don't think there's any question that they sign him, but it is, it is an interesting little thought. Definitely. There was one thing we, we kind of touched on it again, kind of getting back to the design element, the yeah. uh, the all star jerseys. Oh, uh, yes, they're black and white, mm-hmm. very similar to uh, what the NBA has been doing the last few years. Correct, I'm not really sure what the motivation has been to make it black and white. I can, I guess, I can understand the motivation for wanting each player's uh, individual team crest. To be present on the on the jersey in Which the middle. I don't that, mind, by the way. That I don't mind. Honestly, I don't mind that. But I mean, if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a game that's very clearly split amongst four divisions, right. why would you not have four colors? That that yeah, is my yeah, that is interesting. So I guess every, each game they're gonna switch back. Right, but then it, it, it's just like, why though? It doesn't make any sense. And then there was this whole theory going around because. Um, you know, Adidas, Adidas has a partnership with a, with a company called Parlay, uh, and Parlay has basically what they do is they find ways to recycle ocean plastic and specifically with Adidas that's in the form of, uh, knits and fabrics. And so Adidas has tons of clothes and shoes and you name it where they've collaborated with Parlay and they use the recycled ocean plastic in the fabric. You could, I mean, you could just go search Adidas's website. This is not unique to hockey. This is just like the regular stuff that they make, and um, 
And so I can understand from that standpoint, if you're trying to, you know, you're trying to encourage maybe like a little environmental aspect to the game, especially since it's in San Jose, it's, you know, close to the ocean. I totally get that theme. And I think that's a very cool thing to do. But then it just loses all of its appeal when you just do this very plain black and white jersey, in my opinion. And I even heard things out there that like, oh, it's because if you use the dye, the dye is also harmful to ocean stuff. And I was just like, that is a crock of shit because Parlay's signature colors are teal and white, which also happen to be the signature colors of the home team that is hosting the All-Star game. Right. So why would you not incorporate teal into into the, you know, the jersey colors in some way? And then it kind of follows, you know, some theme for the home team as well. And then you have a kind of a whole cohesive image to it. I don't know. I just it's just another missed opportunity in my mind. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that is being pushed by the NHL and how much of that is coming straight from Adidas and NHL just doesn't know any better. And they're like, sounds great, Jersey guy. You you do that Jersey thing. And that's where that's what it comes down to. But I'm not sure myself, but if uh, anyone wants to hear more brilliant ideas on how to fix the NHL, go listen to our episode, Two List, Two Miserable, where we essentially uh, fix the NHL in about 40 minutes no or so. no one listened. Um, it would have been so much better. Yeah, go listen. It's worth it. Last thing I want to touch on, Vardy. Okay. Kings outdoor game in 2020 against Colorado. That's right. That's um, right. Expected to play at the U.S. Air Force Academy. It's not official, Academy. official, but no, it's, it's It is strongly... not official, but strongly hinted yes cool uh cool because and to piggyback off your last topic we get to see some kind of king's jersey that we haven't seen before i love it uh but i do hope it is something we've seen before because i hope it's connected to the gretzky era jersey somehow because i think it's time Mm -hmm. we bring something like that back at least that logo back something so I'm curious. It is interesting, right? Like we, yeah, it's in no way incorporated into our. No, in no way, and it's it's either been the purple and gold, or they've made some sort of new silver, if, right? Like that sharks one with that half and half, white and gray thing, I guess was cool. Uh, the the Dodger Stadium game had a jersey that's very similar to our third right now, right? Um, Just with weirder numbers, weird numbers and a blacked out tinted logo something so i guess my question is what would you like to see vardy what would you like to see the kings rocking in this one because the the thing is we've worn almost everything else (laughs) yeah there's only one thing really left i I mean i I don't see them going with anything purple because that's a that's a big part of the avalanche's colors as well and so i think the the abs are more likely to kind of stick to their maroon and blue whatever color well, it hold is on. what if they go nordique uh, rockies <laughs> nordique oh well no they won't. i don't think they'll do that man i don't think they, they'll do that so the way so the hurricanes can go whalers but the avalanche <laughs> can't go nordique i don't know about that man <laughs> it's we got time we got time we got over that's, a year that's to, tough man to see i would i would truly you know what i would i would find it interesting if they busted out the colorado rockies jersey i realize they have no that's direct true, affiliation yeah. that's true with the team but i think that would be that would be an awesome look if they 
reached really deep into the archives of Colorado hockey, especially being outdoors and whatnot, and you rock the Rockies jersey, that's a good look. I think that's a that's a solid jersey. And in response to that, if the Kings decided to bust out, uh, you know, the white with the with the silver Chevy logo, I think that's a beautiful game right there. Do you think that they is, would have a problem that those jerseys don't they never faced each other? Do you think that's any kind of issue? I, I think that's irrelevant. Yeah, I think that's irrelevant at this point. Maybe that would be relevant if it's your first or second game, but really, this is like the NHL's. It's going to be like their thirtieth freaking outdoor game at this point. I think you just go for what you think is going to sell and it's going to look pretty. Yeah, truthfully, I would love to see an Adidas Gretzky era jersey. Just lay it on me, take mm-hmm. my money, sew <laughs> <laughs> me into it, and put yeah, me to sleep. Exactly. And to close it out, Vardy, it is episode 34, and we cannot go an episode without going to you. So you can tell us whose episode it is, episode number 34. Indeed. Before I tell you, I like what we did last time, where I had you guess a few number 33s that were out there. Okay. I'm going to tell you straight up, there are only five people who have ever worn the number 34. That makes sense, I can't think of many. Um, There's five people who have worn the number 34 for the okay. Los Angeles Kings. Okay, let me see. Um, Let's see if you can name all five, and then I will tell you. I don't whose think I, I don't think is. I can make name all okay. five, but I'll go. Uh, Byron Defoe. Correct. For that sure. is one. I want to say Matt Johnson. Yes. Okay. <laughs> 1995, 19. Man, I thought that'd be the one you wouldn't get. <laughs> really? Now I have. Damn it! Hold on. Okay. Um, they gotta. They gotta be goalies, right? One of them was. The one, one of I the got. remaining three oh, players. One of the remaining three, one of the remaining three players was a goalie. It's going to be some random goalie like Marcel Cousineau. It is exactly <laughs> Marcel there Cousineau. It is. <laughs> there it is. But you still haven't gotten oh, to whose episode it is. I don't think I'm going to I don't think I'm going to get this. Hold on. Visualize an attack. Visualize an attack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I can't do it, man. That's I can't do it. Hit me. All right, ready? Yep. Donald Audette in Don- 1999. <laughs> <laughs> the Donald Audette episode. And no. Oh no. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Not. Because you're missing one very important person. The first Swedish first rounder to break our hearts. Ellen DeGeneres himself, Laurie Tukkanen. No way. <laughs> 2007 to 2008. He played in the NHL? <laughs> he must have been preseason. That's there. <laughs> well, no, they wouldn't count it. So he had to have played in the he, NHL. He must have. He played four. He played five games. There you go. And he rocked the number 34. Number Got 34. zero points and a minus two rating. Wow. He has literally two shots on goal to his NHL career. Oh, man. Number 11 overall. Mm-hmm. Laurie we did much better with Tukin. later number 11 picks. There you go, folks. It's the Laurie Tukkanen episode. <laughs> and I am sorry. Yes. Uh, fitting. <laughs> Again, fitting <laughs> for the season. All right. That's oh, it. That's terrific. it for us, guys. Enjoy the break. There won't be Kings hockey for another, I don't know, Two weeks, roughly. Ten days, something yeah. like that. So, It's a great chance to listen to back episodes, everyone. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time, uh, especially that Two List, Two Miserable. And then right. Those the, are timeless the original. episodes. Anyway, you can follow us on Twitter at the Bannerman Pod. 
website is bannermanpodcast.com. We are now in the email business, Vardy. That's right. The bannermanpod at gmail.com. Shoot us some emails. Tell us what you think. If you're a fan, um, let us know. Like our boy Mike Irwin, shout out to him who always emails us, drops the most beautiful emails. I love getting letters from Mike. Uh, Shout out to Mike, of course. Thanks. Keep him coming, man. Um, Yeah, throw us emails. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you agree with, disagree with. Maybe when after you listen to that two list two miserable episode you could throw us your suggestions on how to make this game better um guys subscribe to us leave us a review interact with us we're all about it we'll see you in february you've been listening to the bannerman an la kings podcast